Good morning, everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, hidden somewhere within the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you for joining us on this Monday, November the 6th, 2023. Time for a new week. Uh, so grateful to have you along for the program today. We're kicking off the week with uh, one of our favorite guests, uh, Shane, will be with us to talk about technological tools of tyranny that you might not have heard about. You know, every time we have Shane on, he uh, brings up some new news items in the world of AI and chat GPT and technology in general. And I don't know about you, but I love these sessions because uh, I don't have the time necessarily to keep my finger on the pulse of some of the uh, lesser known developments in technology, but that's his world. And so we're thankful uh, for Shane. And I hope you had a chance to listen to the session we had a couple of weeks ago with Shane and Randy jointly on the program. What a powerful uh, podcast that was talking about technology and warfare. You can go look that up uh, wherever you listen to our podcast. And we're on all the podcast channels. Just search for uh, Not By Works Ministries. But I'll bring Shane on here in just a moment. So excited to be kicking off a new week. I'm excited, first of all, because all the snow's melted. So, you know, you never know here in the mountains, once you have that first snow, whether it's going to stick around for the next four or five months, or whether you still have maybe a few wonderful days of milder weather. And that's the case this week. We're looking at temps in the 60s. And so really excited about that. It just kind of motivates me uh, for the week. But we've got some great guests coming on uh, this week. Uh, we've got Tom Hughes on tomorrow. We're going to be talking about marking the masses and the whole concept of uh, the Mark of the Beast, uh, which both he and I have written about. Uh, so that's tomorrow with Tom Hughes. Uh, Randy will be on for his usual Wednesday show, uh, World Events Update. I've got Nathan Jones on for the first of a two-part uh, appearance on our program. He's going to be talking about the message of the minor prophets to our modern world. And uh, one of his books is just outstanding that really takes the 12 minor prophets and applies them to daily Christian living today, and yet at the same time is thoroughly biblical and uh, accurate in its exegesis and explains how uh, how many prophecies there are from each of those uh, prophetic writers and whether those are end times prophecies or historic prophecies. So really looking forward to having Nathan on. That's Thursday, and then we'll be uh, posting our Worldview Matters interview now that happens this week uh, on Friday of this week. So another great week ahead. Before I bring uh, Shane on, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to my message yesterday from Plum Creek Chapel, make time to watch that video or at the very least listen to the audio version. It was called Israel in God's Plan of the Ages. And I systematically went through Scripture and showed uh, you how Israel is so central to God's plan of the ages and why what's happening over there in Israel today uh, is so significant in terms of Bible prophecy. So you can find that on our Rumble channel. You can also find it on our website, notbyworks.org. If you prefer to listen to the audio version, it's already been posted uh, on our podcast channel. Don't forget uh, about our premier membership. We're, we're having our next Zoom meeting, which is uh, exclusively for our premier members. That'll be this Thursday at 7 o'clock Central. Those are always a great time, just a informal time of Q&A, getting to know one another, answering your questions. And you guys have some of the best questions uh, out there. And so if you are interested in that, uh, you can sign up. Uh, just go to notbyworks.org, click on the store button. Uh, one of the options there, if you're interested, is the premier 
premier membership. It's a small monthly fee, and you have uh, some exclusive content, some special uh, Zoom Q&A meetings like this one. Uh, if you are a premier member, uh, as always, if you're not able to join us live this Thursday night, we do record those videos and post them to the premier uh, membership uh, page, so you can always go back and watch that at your leisure. But uh, pray about and consider joining up with our premier members. Again, next Zoom meeting is this Thursday. Uh, while you're on the store, of course, I always like to remind you about our free section. We've got tons of free materials. Uh, that's all available there. Just uh, click on the free section. You don't need a credit card, don't need to put in any info, just to add it to your card, and then it'll send you an email and you can download all of that information. Really excited about the uh, upsurge in Kindle uh, purchases. You know, we finally made our last three books available in Kindle. The first nine were already available in Kindle, but now we've got all of my books in Kindle format. And uh, I'm so grateful because it's cheaper. So a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily have the resources to buy all of the print books, but uh, with Kindle, they're a lot cheaper. Uh, and there are a lot of people that just really are kind of all in with Kindle and they like to have their books with them on their tablet or iPad or wherever they uh, go. And, and now you can do that with Spirit of the Antichrist, Volumes 1 and 2, and the latest book, Spirit of the False Prophet. So if you go to uh, notbyworks.org. There's a banner there that'll link you straight up to the Amazon page to uh, to get those books. Uh, you can also link up to them through our online uh, store. We still sell the the PDF version as well. For some people, it's not about Kindle. It's just about having a digital version for one reason or another. So if you prefer the PDF, you can purchase that through the Not By Work store. And of course, the print versions are available there as well. Well, I want to turn our attention to Colossians 2 for just a quick word from Scripture uh, as we uh, as we begin uh, the program uh, this morning. You know, Colossians is uh, one of Paul's prison epistles. In fact, it's the second of his four prison epistles. He wrote it in the fall of 61 AD from house arrest uh, there in uh, Rome. And uh, he wrote Colossians to address uh, some false doctrines. That jumps off the page as you read through this uh, short letter. You find that Paul was addressing some false views about Christ, that already less than 30 years into the church age, the uh, people had been led astray into believing about false Christ and false doctrines uh, about Christ. And so uh, in chapter 2, he uh, he says this, which is, I think, really relevant for, you know, all of Scripture, of course, is relevant. It's all profitable, but this is really like snatched from the headlines for us uh, today. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Let me just stop there. How did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? By faith, of course. It's the only way you can receive Jesus Christ. You have to trust in Him and Him alone as the only one who can forgive your sin and give you the gift of life. And I hope you've done that. I hope you're born again by faith. I hope you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Now more than ever, it's important to get your spiritual house in order. And step number one, is being born again, trusting in Jesus Christ who took your place on the cross, died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin, and is now offering you that gift, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, never to be lost. And so it begins by faith. It's a one-time moment in time, not something you have to do again and again. It's salvation once you've trusted Christ is permanent. Uh, and so I hope you've done that. I hope you're a child of God. But he says, in the same way in which you received him by faith, you need to walk in him. So not only are we saved by faith, but we live our lives day by day by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, as Paul told the Corinthians. He goes on to say in Colossians 2, verse 7, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, 
as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So again, there it is. So we've got to strengthen our faith. And now more than ever, we need strong faith. We need believers who are going to stand tall, uh, look evil and Satan's uh, uh, plan and his earthly co-conspirators straight in the eye and say, Jesus is my Lord, and I'm standing with him. Unfortunately, there are people who are not doing that, and we we live in a, an age when many believers are uh, have weak faith. They're not uh, trusting the Lord. They're not in the Word of God. They're not uh, a part, part of a Bible-teaching church, and therefore they're in danger of being cheated. And that's why Paul says in verse 8, Colossians 2, 8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. See, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, as Hebrews 12 tells us. And so many people are cheated. That word cheat literally means in, in Greek to take captive. Um, and how are, how are many people being taken captive? Through philosophy. That's the only time that word philosophy occurs in the Bible. Literally, it means love of wisdom, and it's talking about earthly wisdom. And many people are being led astray by false teaching, secular humanistic teaching, uh, worldly philosophy, the traditions of men, the basic principles of this world. And remember, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the god of this age, and the whole world is indeed under the sway of the wicked one, Satan, 1 John 5, 19. So it's in Christ that all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, and we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power to close out that passage. And I just think it's fascinating that in we're encouraging believers to walk by faith and to stay rooted in the faith, to, to keep their eyes fixed on Christ, Paul brings in at the very end of that little passage the principalities and powers, because that's what it's all about. We are fighting an unseen enemy. We're fighting a spiritual battle, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. So I hope that encourages you as you begin this new week. Uh, don't focus on what you can see. Focus on what you can't see. Focus on the Lord who died and rose again for your sins. Stay rooted in his word. And, uh, you know, that's the shield of faith that the spiritual armor uh, talks about there in Ephesians uh, chapter 6. Well, Shane, so great to have you uh, with us today. Can't wait to get into our subject. We're going to, again, talk here about uh, technological tyranny that you may not have heard about, you know, tools of technology that uh, could easily be co-opted by the Antichrist and false prophet, and until they rise on the scene, they could easily be co-opted by Satan's earthly conspirators today uh, in our present age. And uh, so uh, welcome to the program and looking forward to our discussion. Right. It's great to be here. Thank you. So, Shane, uh, one of the things we love about uh, the way you cover the material is you always like to to put it into categories, you know, uh, the the green, which are technological developments that could really be good and be have a positive benevolent use. And then the yellow, which is sort of ah, could go either way. Uh, and then, of course, the red. And I think as we were talking before the program today, we've got a new color like the bright red, the exploding red or something, because uh, there's some stuff uh, really happening. But before I throw it to you to just take it away, I, I wanted to mention, I, I saw a movie this weekend that some of our listeners may have seen. It's called The Creator. Are you familiar familiar with it? Well, it's actually the first story that I was going to talk about. So it's kind Is of funny. It, you, you are yeah. kidding me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, great minds think alike. Um, 
you know, I may not be as good looking as you, but I tell you what, our minds are in sync. Let me tell you. Yeah. So I know you love sci-fi uh, writers and, and and novels and, of course, sci-fi movies. And uh, this one blew me away. I saw it primarily for research. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't like the greatest movie ever. It's got some, you know, downside. I don't think it was all that great. But, man, the themes running through it about AI were just stunning. So I won't uh, I won't steal the thunder there. But uh, but, yeah, take it away. Yeah, so um, so the, the the first article I put this in the green category, um, just you know because it's a it's it's a movie, um, but B I think it could make us think and consider some things that we might not otherwise think. Art has that ability, and so uh, like JB said, a movie called The uh, Creator, um, and, and the basic theme of it is there's a scenario in this near future world where uh, there's an AI and it drops a, a nuclear bomb on Los Angeles. Um, and that, of course, gets a global nuclear war going um, and or at least the uh, I, that's not actually true. I think it's the West that goes on to attack the AI and the um, some sort of Eastern block of nations uh, tries to preserve the AI. So there's this uh, struggle that goes on there. Won't get into uh, too much of the plot outside of what I just said. But what's interesting is is um, I think the question and why this is in the green category is it should cause us to wonder if the if, if AI is something that should be de decommissioned, uh, you know, gotten gotten rid of, um, or is it something that needs protection, kind of like humans do? There's human rights. Is there an AI rights that's needed, um, or you know, if you believe that uh, uh, AI is is truly conscious? Would existing human rights be applicable to an AI system? So, so the movie's worth 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 looking at. And something else that struck me when I was uh, considering putting this one in today is, you know, we've discussed a, a few movies that have come out in recent years that have this theme of AI um, being that threat, being that uh, um, you know that problem that the protagonist of the movie needs to deal with. I think most recently we talked about as uh, a, a Mission Impossible movie, um, and which is a good movie. It, it uh, did well. Yeah. Um, so, so we're starting to see a theme in Hollywood here. Um, and it was, but the other thing that's fascinating to me is, you know, we had a long drought of any sort of movies, you know, really, you know, big movies um, about the threat of AI. You know, we had War Games in the eighties. Followed, you know, in that same time frame, you had the Terminator, right? That embodied AI that, that we discussed. But then there really hasn't been a ton. But in the last few years, there's really been a resurgence of that theme. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me. I, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Hollywood, of course, is, has long been a mouthpiece for the Luciferians. They like to uh, kind of, un, uh, you know, unveil coming technology, kind of condition people, program people. Uh, it's it's they like to tell us what they're going to do before they do it. Uh, but yeah, this movie, the the creator, really fascinating it on so many levels. It, it, you could tell if you if you're watching with a with a discerning eye and I encourage people to go back and watch my video on how to interpret the news from a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, you know, I was watching for what are the, the subtle themes and some of them not so subtle coming through, but one of them was, as you said, this idea that AI is conscious, that it is to be protected. And, and in this world war, you've got on the one side, AI working with its allies 
Uh, and, and, and so you, you know, you, you sometimes had a hard time telling at first, whether you were dealing with an AI or a human being. And then on the other side, it was all humans and the humans are trying to destroy AI because AI had gone rogue and, and dropped this nuclear bomb on, on Los Angeles. But it was also interesting to me that the time frame, if I, if I remember right, was 2065. So as you said, near future and knowing what the Luciferians uh, are planning for this decade, and they really want to be across the finish line by 2030, it kind of gives a glimpse as, uh, into what they see uh, the world looking like once AI has and the globalists have really taken over. Now, of course, a side plot of that is this nuclear bomb that went off, but Ian, that was the kind of the main plot of the movie, but you know, cor correlating to that is this, you know, what does life look like in a world where there's a essentially a one world system and a AI a technology taking over? And and so, um, you know, you can kind of tell where they're uh, headed, but uh, it was really fascinating. It, it, it sort of uh, answer, it raises a lot of moral questions. Is it okay to kill AI? You know, in the movie, you've got when an AI robot dies and they, and they do a good job of making sure it, you can clearly tell what's an AI because it's got like its head is part robot and part human face. Um, and uh, they have funerals for them. People are weeping for them. And, you know, um, and then they talk about how there's a difference between dying and turning off. Uh, and the one that the main protagonist in the movie is, is trying to tell this uh, child AI that its mother wasn't dying. It was just being turned off and that, that kind of thing. So just a lot of really, uh, you know, sort of prescient type of stuff that, that they are uh, unveiling there. But I think we need to be prepared. And one of the most profound things that they that they showed, which is sort of snatched from the headlines, is this idea that you can... Um, you can uh, give your likeness to a company that will create an AI of you so that you can live forever, which, of course, is what the transhumanist uh, Satan worshipers are trying to accomplish all along. They want eternality. They want to overcome death. They want to prove that God was wrong when he said, in the day thou eatest thereof, you shall surely die. Uh, he, they want to prove that you can overcome death and still keep sinning. And so this idea of selling your likeness, we've already seen that, and you've talked about it, uh, especially with uh, pop stars and movie stars and things like that. So yeah, great, great, uh, funny that you started with that, because that was uh, what we saw this weekend. And and, and by the way, just, um, you know, we've mentioned this before, but uh, JB doesn't know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, it's just interesting that, because it's happened a few times where um, where you bring up something and that's actually what I'm going to talk about that day. <laughs> um, and um, so, so the next article here, and, and, and by the way, I, you know, I do want to uh, make sure everybody's clear that when I put these in these different categories, you know, that's an opinion. Um, you might have a, a different take on it. So, so please don't take anything I'm saying as, as, you know, being law or anything like that. Um, and if you feel really, really strongly about it, I just send those strongly worded emails to JB and he'll, no, he'll send them to Randy. Let's just have Randy be the repository for all of our critical emails. I've decided that's going to make my life a lot better. Randy, Yeah. Send them to Randy. And uh, uh, so anyhow, this next one, uh, we're still in the green here. Can be called a uh, symbotic. They are a, uh, a AI uh, powered robotics company with a focus on the warehouse world. And um, they uh, are going to use um, use their technology to automate or help automate at least 
um, Warehouse Operations. Now, this is a company that uh, has been invested in by um, like Walmart, for example, uh, SoftBank, which is very well known in the tech world. It's a bank that that makes uh, heavy investments uh, in in tech companies, um, and and usually they you know they only invest in companies that are going to do well. You know they they they've got a smart group of analysts, so that tells me that Symbotic is a real um, has, has some really good technology here. So um, and. Symbotic and SoftBank have, have then formed a new venture called Greenbox Systems. And so what this will do is offer AI-powered uh, warehouse automation solutions to smaller companies. So, you know, automation of a warehouse isn't really anything new. Amazon's been doing it for, you know, years and years. They've had, they've got robots that help, um, you know, make it, make it easier for the humans to work there. Um, it, I'm sure it lowers cost. Uh, it, it lowers accidents um, with, with with the people. Uh, so there's nothing new to that. But the key thing, as I said, companies like Walmart, Amazon, you know, Target, large, you know, multi multi billion dollar companies. Um, you know, a smaller company is at a big disadvantage. So that, this is the reason I put it in the green category is it will give some smaller businesses the ability to uh, bring in some form of robotic automation. And this won't be the only one that, you know, that, that does this. There'll be other competitors before long. But so that could make it uh, easier for smaller companies to compete. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, clearly technology, you know, this is just the, the latest evolution of technology. Klaus Schwab called the fourth IR. Uh, he has uh, nefarious um, goals in mind with that. But yeah, I mean, we're we're thankful for advancements that do improve our quality of life and make things more efficient. Absolutely. Um, so here's a, here's another one. This one, um, again, was a little hard to categorize. I put it in the green and um, the um, Basically, uh, Microsoft will pay you up to $15,000 if you can get its Bing AI system to respond in a way that it doesn't want, want it to respond. Um, basically, if you can, you know, they call it jailbreaking. Um, you know, if you can jailbreak Bing, hmm. you can, depending on the severity of it, you can get anywhere from $2,000 to $15,000. Uh, nothing new in this approach you know, in the computer world especially with security bugs. This has been going on for, you know, decades at this point. Um, and you typically call them a, a bug bounty uh, where, you know, a company will open up um, and announce this to the internet usually. And if you are able to, to find a bug, it'll be categorized as to its severity. And the greater the severity, the greater the, the payout. Mm -hmm. um, so they're offering something for Bing here. If you can make it, you know, if you can figure out a prompt that causes it to, say terrible things right uh or or produce results they don't want you to see like uh, how to build a, a bomb something like that um then you can submit that and maybe make a little money for christmas so yeah so. that's how they that you know they know there are a lot of smart programmers and coders out there and so that's how they can kind of make sure they haven't overlooked something and 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 expose vulnerabilities and and so forth so uh but so do you see the bounty going higher now, which is a sign that technology is getting better and tighter? Um, I don't know. I mean, this, this is kind of new applied to this area. Um, certainly you can see some much bigger bounties on the security side. 
Uh, part of that is because the amount of money that's at stake uh, when it comes to computer security is tremendous. So the more severe the the, the security hole, the more you're going to make. Uh, this is new. This whole world of AI is 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 new to us as far as being generally available to to the world. So, you know, they're the uh, they're the first ones that I'm aware of. I'm, I'm not aware of any other AI company doing this yet, but it'll become more commonplace. And as AI becomes more and more embedded uh, and pervasive, uh, it'll become more valuable. And I think you'll see things like these bug bounties going up in in value. Just just like we have on the security side. Hmm. Hmm. So, you know, like I said, Christmas money. So, you know, if you can start uh, making it do the wrong thing, you're, you're good. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to uh, to, to be a, uh, a a bounty bug kind of person. You know, but but here's what's interesting is there's this concept in in. Uh, you know, I, I know it from the uh, from the computer side, but but it's called engineering nearsightedness which is where you sit down to design a product and you map through, you know, how it should work and you code it to work the way you thought it should work. Um, but, and, and, and every time you test it, every time you, you use the product, it works perfectly fine. But then you give that product over to somebody who wasn't involved in the development and they just try to use it. They're the ones that are going to discover the problems huh. more often. And that's called engineering nearsightedness. I'm so close to this process, I can't see these other ways of maybe using the system. You know, I, I won't click on it in the same order that the you know, the buttons and and the, the dialogues and so forth that maybe the coder or the design team came up with. And that's how those bugs can be uh, found. So you don't have to be a coder to necessarily find something like this. Interesting. Um, you know, there, there, there's certainly some value to having that skill set, but um, but if you also, again, you know, you got to watch out for that engineering nearsightedness. If you maybe know a little bit too much about how it should work, um, well, that can give you certain insights. It can also blind you. So, yeah, it's funny. That reminds me of a, a famous Rand Paul quote at, during a congressional hearing, or I guess senator. He's a senator. So it must have been a Senate hearing. But they were talking about how there's all these new regulations to based on global warming and saving the earth to 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 kind of reduce the amount of water that's used in your toilets and uh so he had all these engineers and all these people talking about this and that and Rand Paul kind of said and I'm paraphrasing but he finally just sort of exasperated with the the uh, people that were testifying he just says you know what I don't I don't know about all that engineering stuff I just want my toilet to flush <laughs> you know and that's kind of how I feel about technology you know I I just uh, I just want it to work and I want it to be idiot proof. That's what I need. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So now we're moving into the yellow category here. And this first article um, looked at the questions based on a study. Um, can artificial intelligence truly be creative? Um, you know, we've certainly seen some incredible things out of uh, large language models like chat GPT. And we've talked about that on on past episodes. There's no shortage of of, uh, of uh, information out there showing how these large language models can do things that are very creative. Um, and so there's um, there's a study done to compare the creative thinking abilities, not not pure reasoning, but this creative thinking of AI chatbots compared to humans. And what uh, what they the study walked away with is that AI systems 
perform better than humans on average. Okay, so we're just talking about this 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 breadth of data here on average at generating original ideas, um, but uh, but humans generate the best ideas. So there'll be fewer of them, right? They'll be higher. Like if we had this, this chart here, the AI would give you the most um, creative ideas. Um, the humans would not give that same volume, but they would give some individual ideas that were much more creative than what we see out of the AI system. So, um, and, and this, and by the way, this measure of creativity, this aspect, it's just a tiny aspect, um, it's called divergent thinking. And um, so it, um, uh, the, the, the bottom line is the uh, uh, the article says that um, AI is mimicking human divergent thinking, but they don't believe that AI will replace human jobs requiring creativity. Huh. Um, I, I think there's some uh, truth to that, at, at least for a while. Um, but what we will see, though, again, and that you know, as we as we move out of this leverage phase of AI. To where it helps us do our jobs easier, uh, faster, uh, and, and so forth. At some point, with those continued improvements, there will be, you know, not as not a need for as many people in the workforce. Um, so it might be that you have, you know, say you're in a large company and you had uh, ten copywriters working for the company. Well, you might go down to two, and they'll leverage AI and be able to have the same output. Yeah. So if you're able to use the AI, if you're if you're lucky enough to to uh, fall into that category um, for a while, at least you'll you'll keep your position. Um, but but many people won't. They'll be replaced by um, by the AI either in that that more leverage side of it or maybe at some point in the future where AI fully replaces. Yeah, I had Luke, Lucas uh, Doremus on uh, last week, and he was kind of talking about sort of the same thing, that there are sectors uh, and time frames during which it won't necessarily be a dramatic impact on employment. But yeah. I think uh, everybody agrees that at some point this is the goal. But, you know, what what really strikes me as I was listening to you describe that next, this, this, this story that you just described um, you know, these know, knowing the Luciferian conspiracy, knowing who's at the top tier, really trying to overcome God and take over the world and 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 win this cosmic battle. It, it you know, I wonder, you know, why why these atheistic, secular, humanistic, you know, uh, Satanists are so desperate to mimic humanity. Like going back to that movie, The Creator, they were they were really trying to turn these AI humanoids. Uh, you know, embodied AIs into human and make them have as many human qualities as they can. You know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. I mean, they must be, they must, even though they hate God, they must think God did a pretty good job creating humanity. If they're all setting that as the standard, how can we make these AI more like a human? So it's it's kind of ironic in a way, don't you think? Absolutely. And, and, and you know, and I think what, uh, um, What's really going on here, and it's the theme you've identified in, in your books, is that spirit of the Antichrist. Mm. Um, you know, people, you know, even, even these atheists will believe they are truly independent thinkers. There's, you know, you know, they're in control of that thought process, um, but they're not. Um, you know, I'm not saying that people are uh, somehow not making responsible choices. I'm not. You know, it's not that I'm some sort of pure puppet, but um, if we don't think that that uh, humans, period, saved or unsaved, 
uh, if you don't think that we're not influenced by the spirit world, you need, you need to reread your Bible. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think what they are doing is simply reflecting the uh, the base desires of Satan here. Mm, no doubt. Um, it's it's that um, it's that imitation. Yeah, okay, it's an imitation of what God has created. Um, so next story here, uh, the the um, world is is really wrestling, or, or at least researchers around the world are wrestling with is AI conscious. Um, so it kind of ties back to that that first article we talked about uh, with the movie The Creator. Um, is AI conscious? If it is, there's implications for it. Um, and so keep an eye on this. Uh, there's um, a, a um, number of groups, uh, think tanks and so forth around the world who are working on, on this question of AI consciousness, uh, ultimately with a view towards influencing legislation. Um, if these think tanks believe that AI is conscious, um, you will undoubtedly see legal action being taken. Um, so, so this isn't about a specific, um, uh, instance here of a think group, a think tank, excuse me, um, discussing this topic. It's keep, keep abreast of this. Um, this is growing in nature uh, a few years ago. You know, you'd always see some articles, uh, uh um, so somebody talking, discussing about whether or not they thought AI was conscious, if it was even possible. If it's possible, how far out is that? You know, you, you would see those every now and then. But the conversation has increased dramatically in both frequency um, and the uh, the passion behind it. Yeah. So um, this is um, um, this is a uh, concerning, and the part that really concerns me here is we are taking a very we you know you know humanity here taking a a reductionistic approach to what consciousness is. Um, most researchers are focusing on understanding consciousness by really being just the result of neural activity in the brain. So it's just these electrical connections, synaptic connections in the brain that deliver consciousness. Um, and if you take that approach um, and and the and you're focused on what you can actually do with neural networks, which is simulate that neural activity. Um, we'll come up with something that is intelligent. You know, it's, it's very artificial. But I'm I'm deeply concerned about confusing that with human consciousness, which I believe is is much more um, than simply synaptic activity in our brains. Mm. So. Yeah, it, it reminds me of of what we went through several decades ago. I can remember uh, back when I was still teaching full time, so that's twenty years ago. Um, talking about the big movement to have to have animals have rights and be able to have the right to legal representation, and they could sue somebody, and it was just bizarre. I remember watching a Fox News roundtable discussion one time with one of the top legal you know talking heads out there, and just talking about how you know. Uh, chimpanzees, you know, should have the right to sue the the managers of a zoo, for example. So I think we're 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 rapidly approaching that, and that's what that movie, The Creator, really exemplified was that yeah, these were these were co-equals with humans, and therefore they should have all the rights. Which is ironic again, because you know the the Luciferians they they don't believe in inalienable rights because they don't think God is you know the hero, and they're trying to destroy all of our 
you know, human rights. So it's it's really a crazy mixed up world. Spirit of the Antichrist. Yes. You know, I just don't know another way to to, to put it. Yep, that'd um, be the great title. A great title for a book or two. It would. It would be. You should. You should work on that. So. All right. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right. Next one. Uh, yes, yeah, so we've talked about, um, of course, you know, AI and robotics and that embodied AI where we we put the AI inside of the robots. Well, this is interesting. Uh, you know, we've seen how AI can be used to help engineers design. Um, you know, other things, right? Uh, well, they're, they're applying AI towards building robots. And so this is a, a company called, uh, I believe it's uh, Formant, and then they're working with North, Northwestern University, and they have a, a study underway um, uh, where they are uh, using generative AI to design walking robots. Um, and it and it's more than just that leverage tool that the engineer uses. They're talking about having the generative AI completely design the robot itself. Mm. And again, not you know this is a robot that can walk. Um, and so we will see some very interesting developments in the robotics world in the coming years because of generative AI being used in the design. As a matter of fact, the same accelerant that we've talked about, say, on the, the medical side of using AI to, um, to uh, do research, maybe come up with um, new medicines, things like that, how much quicker it can do it than any sort of human research could. Hmm. We're going to see something similar like this when it comes to robotics. So, again, keep an eye on that. Um, where we, we just scratched the surface of what's going to happen there. Hmm. Um, so, if we... Uh, next uh, topic here is, um, I, you know, so I've, I've 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 been on your show for uh, for a few months here, uh, maybe you know maybe six months or, or so, um, and and I can assure you, six months ago, um, I thought that even artificial general intelligence, which is that level of AI where the AI could perform a variety of different tasks. As well as most humans can, um, I didn't think that was uh, even attainable. I thought we'd get close to it, and, and that would open up its own set of issues. But I didn't think we would uh, achieve that. Um, I, I'm not so confident of that uh, of that prediction any longer. That that stance I held. Um, I've looked around at the very top AI scientists out there. Um, we've we've got currently the uh, chief scientist at OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT. Um, he is is working on coming up with um, ways to control and combat a super intelligent AI. Hmm. Um, so not just general AI, not just human level, but we're talking something above a human level. Um, and there's a number of other top tier researchers like that. Um, that are actively and, and very, very publicly discussing their concerns about this, what they feel is an existential threat to humanity through AI. So, um, of course, you know, the, the things I have access to are, are only publicly available. Um, I, I don't see what's going on at OpenAI or Google or, or any other place. Um, so I've just seen enough stories here um, where they are focused on super intelligence. 
And, you know, there could certainly be other motivations for this, but I'm really worried that that's a sign they already have AGI running in those more secret parts of their labs. And that's why they're now worried about super intelligence. Yeah. I mean, what, what are they know that we don't? And, yeah. and, you know, AGI, artificial general intelligence, uh, you know, remember, we're always the public is always in some cases decades behind what's really been accomplished in a lab like DARPA and places like that. So I think you're spot on now. You know, I know you're also an, an outstanding uh, biblicist. You teach, uh, uh, you know, the Bible. And uh, so let's 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 kind of chase this rabbit a little bit here with uh, super intelligence. And it, let's say, you know, let's say you were. Uh, a little off earlier on and and didn't, you know, weren't sure if they would be able to accomplish this. Now you're having second thoughts about that. What are the theological implications of this? I mean, in your mind, is this demonic if indeed they are able to kind of cross the Rubicon and create an AI that is fully conscious and uh, has free will? That is a great question. Um, I'm not sure that I'm going to have a good answer today. <laughs> Um, I here, here's what I would say is is and this was my concern even when I thought we we weren't going to achieve AGI, mm -hmm. um, but we'd come close to AGI. It wasn't so much the technology; it's how we perceive the technology, how we would submit to that technology, as opposed to submitting to God. Mm -hmm. um, we would. I, I well, we've already seen this. There, there's not. This isn't just theoretical. We've already seen um, multiple cases of this where people will do the, the quote, bidding um, of the AI system that they're talking with, that they're interacting with. And, and so, again, my concern at, at some level is less about the technology versus how we respond. Yeah. Um, you know, you, especially people who are, are really struggling with, with uh, mental health issues, um, this could be very dangerous. And then, you know, let's let's go ahead and, and really dig deep. Um, a lot of people that um, have mental health issues are actually dealing with a demonization. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, demons are behind that. And so how a demon could then exploit it, uh, we yeah. could see simply horrific things occur um, with with somebody acting underneath the influence of this AI. Um, won't even touch upon whether or not the unclean spirits can manipulate the AI to further um, cause the person to to do whatever it is the the, the demon wants it to do. Yeah, no, uh, I think I think they can. I think that demons can, uh, we, and we've talked about it. Can mm -hmm. uh, you know take over inanimate objects and, and including technology? Um, we've all seen it. We've seen it at you know when the sound system acts up. Not that all of that is you know demonic. Sometimes it's just you know, a mishap or, you know, user error or just a, a true technological glitch, a, a short in the wire. But absolutely, demons can control it. But, you know, you're right. I mean, the, the ultimate goal of Satan is to deceive and to mimic, right? He's an he's masquerading as an angel. Lord. He wants people to think he's God and God is not. And so these, to some extent, it doesn't matter how he gets there. I think we can, you know, putting on my systematic theology hat, 
which is my area of expertise and my passion. Uh, if we look at biblical anthropology, I think I can answer my own question by saying, no, these AI, no matter how sophisticated they get uh, and what terminology you want to use to call it, they're not human. They don't have a soul. They're not made in the image of God. They're not redeemable uh, you know, and so forth. They're still man-made. But as you so rightly pointed out, that's kind of beside the point for the when we talk about the impact of them, because man, you know, Satan has convinced a lot of people of a lot of lies through for, through six thousand years of human history, and he's not going to stop now. Jesus uh, warns that deception is going to reach an all time high in the seven years just prior to his return. And the apostle Paul, on his deathbed in sixty seven A.D., said, "Evil men and imposters are going to get worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived." So, uh, the whole premise of of my latest book, Spirit of the False Prophet, is that the false prophet working under the uh, authority of the Antichrist is going to have to use technology to accomplish the full-spectrum planetary control grid. Uh, and so people are going to have to, in that day, people are going to be under the uh, oppressive, tyrannical authority of essentially uh, AI. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's interesting that from your perspective of just reading, again, public domain stuff, how it seems like even insiders are getting a little concerned about where this is headed. It reminds me of the Space Force and why they really started that. It's because military experts and government officials are are, are really concerned with the upsurge in what they call UFO or UAP activity uh, which we believe is dimensional and demonic, uh, and they can't explain it. And they're like, this is serious. We we This is an existential threat. We need to do something about it. So I think we see that happening with technology too. Absolutely. Um, so, so at a minimum, um, what we are going to see in the coming months you know, this isn't even years out. This is this is well. It's already here. We've already discussed a few a few examples of this, but it's you know again, like I said, my my concern is how we respond to it, and so to try to bring in that whole biblical anthropology side. Um, in the past, our idols were made of wood and stone. We're entering into a phase where they're going to be made out of bits and bytes. Mm. We will mm. see a new form of idolatry sweep across the world where people are talking to an AI and doing its bidding. Yeah. Yeah. We, and I talk about some of that uh, in the book, uh, you know, people that are flocking to AI Jesus and getting yep. counseling from AI and lonely for AI. One, one uh, nursing home up in upstate New York uh, has AI, uh, uh, you know, that, that they used uh, to, to help keep comp keep the residents company. And, and these people are just really thinking of them as their companions, you know, like they would a dog. So yeah, this is uh this is the, the world uh, that we are heading into a world of non reality. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We got, uh, we got time for a couple more here, at least. What do you got? Yeah. So let me, uh, well, see, I got too many for us to get through. So let me, uh, uh, I, I want to super summarize a few of these. Um, so in the past, we've talked about the, this aspect of pervasive AI. Uh, right now, AI is still a bit of a novelty, um, but it's being built into more and more products. And at some point, we're going to cross a threshold where it's it seems like it's everywhere. Um, and and you won't be able to use uh, your the, the products that you use today without interfacing with an AI system. And so 
so for example, uh, two, two big companies, Walmart and Amazon, um, are both using AI in a very customer-focused way in that, um, uh, for instance, Walmart is wanting to expand its AI offerings in their shopping uh, so that um, customers can see uh, how maybe a, a shirt might look on them before they buy it. Right, so you could do augmented reality and and give them some uh, some ideas, and because it would have access to all this data from everybody shopping at Walmart or Amazon for that matter, um, it can give uh, recommendations. You know, I can remember back um, certainly in the '80s and '90s, and they might even still do it today, where your more large upscale department stores you could hire a personal shopper. <clears throat> who you would pay a fair amount of money to go and, uh, you know, have them shop for you, right? Go to the stores, match up items for you, present outfits and so forth. Um, we're going to see AI agents do that same thing. Um, so, and we're already seeing in, in uh, Amazon, by the way, if, if a product on Amazon has at least 100 reviews is the threshold that I've heard, the minimum threshold, the AI will start summarizing it. You may have seen this if you've gone to Amazon in the last uh, number of, of months where it will give you the AI summary. And it's taking all the feedback from however many customers gave reviews and telling you, you know, what uh, uh, what, what most people thought of it. So, it and, and, and it is a handy feature, it really is. Um, and it can also then make other recommendations um, based upon the buying patterns of other people who have looked for other clothing and about your size, your taste, or so forth, it's going to come up with those very personalized shopping suggestions. So, again, this is not so much a, a focus on the fact that um, uh, the AI is here and, and when you're on Walmart or Amazon or you know who knows how, what, what other companies are doing it, um, how that AI is going to impact your shopping habits. Um, it's... It's just more evidence that we are moving towards that phase of pervasive AI. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, you know, we've known each other a long time, Shane, and I. We first met in an academic setting, and you were uh, in, in IT. And I, I can remember way back then you talking about how one day Wi-Fi is going to be pervasive, and they called it pervasive Wi-Fi. And you know, that was back in the day where. It wasn't the case that every place you went, there was Wi-Fi, public Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi in, in businesses that was generally available to everybody. In fact, you had to have a little hotspot and so forth. Of course, now everybody's phone is a hotspot, so you can use it in the car or wherever. But but boy, that we, you know, that was you were right on. I mean, you were just kind of telegraphing what's coming because you you would keep your finger on the pulse of technology. And I think uh, we would be wise to recognize that. You know, the, the, the next phase is going to be pervasive AI everywhere we go. It's going to be AI and you're not going to know whether you're interacting with a human being or an AI. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to skip over uh, some more of the yellows and I'm going to jump straight to the reds so that we can get some of these in here. Um, so, you know, and we've talked about this in the, in, in, in previous episodes, um, China, so I came across an article, China and the U.S. are in an actual arms race to build a killer robot, you know, AI-controlled army. Huh. Um, we will see um, in the not-too-distant future um, autonomous weapon systems, um, be it anything from a, something like a fighter jet to, you know, 
bipedal robotic soldiers and everything in between, um, you know, operating and, and, you know, serving the interest of whoever's controlling them. I'll put it that way. So, um, so you'll see more and more on this. You'll, you'll certainly see calls. Um, if it already hasn't happened, I haven't come across any yet um, at the international level for um, regulation of these AI weapons in the same way that we, we regulate nuclear weapons, there's going to be a need to regulate these AI-based weapons. Um, you know, the uh, if, if we thought nuclear weapons were scary, that's nothing compared to what could happen here. So, yeah. and, and, and again, this concept of bipedal, you know, just props into my mind that, you know, if, if if mankind is so you know deplorable and useless, as you all know, Harari says, and we just have way too many humans, we don't need, and we need to get them out of the way. They're of no value anymore. Why are they creating AI soldiers that model the human body? It means maybe they should improve on it. If God did such a bad job creating mankind, maybe they should make it better. And uh, but they're following the same template because, uh, as it turns out, God actually knows what He's doing. <laughs> Absolutely. And so the you know the AI soldiers are one thing, but what happens when the next step is to apply it towards policing the civilian population? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. Um, you know, I'm going to reference a, a sci-fi movie here, Elysium. It came out probably, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Um, excellent movie. Certainly contains some of these themes. Uh, that's not the primary theme of the movie, but um, but some of this, what, what we're discussing, especially that, that aspect of using embodied AI to police a civilian population, absolutely. Yeah. And, and they did that in the movie The Creator in, in New Asia, that, the, you know, place where AI was uh, was still wor- working hand in glove with the uh, uh, humans, uh, the, all the police force was AI, embodied AI. Yeah. So it's, you know, more than likely if, if the Lord uh, does not come back pretty quickly, um, we will see that there will be um, uh, and it'll be, you know, just certain test cases initially will grow to accept it. And then at some point, um, embodied AI systems policing uh, everything around us is going to become commonplace. You know, we won't think twice about it. Mm. All right. So this next one, um, this one really uh, is troubling. And we've discussed this in in past episodes. Um, This was a study done by uh, trying to remember the the company behind it. Um, But they they interviewed a lot of the executives. And um, most of these uh, executives, uh, I think it's 49%, 40, yeah, 49% um, uh, are, are basically saying that half of all the skills that they currently hire for and need today will become irrelevant in two years because of AI. Mm. Um, so so the um, uh, what they uh, believe is that, and I'm just going to give a few stats here from the article, um, these executives estimated that nearly half, so it's 49% of the skills that exist today in their workforce. So this is the totality um, of, you know, whatever it is they do, whatever their employees are able to do, um, they won't be relevant in 2025. There's um, that year, yeah. There's that year again. It's kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, uh, roughly the same percentage, 47%, say that their current workforces are unprepared for the needs of this future workforce. Um, so, you know, they're, they're identifying a, a, a knowledge gap. Um, and, um, 
the the other thing is uh they were saying that over the next five years um their organization so they're talking about you know what they see there not just in general but what they see within their own companies and this should be more concerning than if it's just that general statement um within the next five years their organization will eliminate over half so 56 percent of entry level entry level knowledge worker roles um, so I'll give you an example of this. Um, and, and we knew this years ago. Um, and I'm talking when I say years ago, probably six or seven years ago, I, I, I saw some, some work in this area to where in the past, uh, you had these large law firms, they would hire entry-level lawyers out of law school who had that job of going through masses of data from a trial from, you know, from a lawsuit that they're, um, either, um, that they're participating in and would have to summarize the data, correlate the data, look for certain information. It was just a very grueling kind of effort. Um, and uh, you know, it started in the 90s with optical character recognition. I worked on some projects um, in, in that area for one of the big six, uh, at the time, big six accounting firms. Um, and um, But with AI, uh, it has eliminated the need for a significant percentage of those freshly minted lawyers coming out of law school, they can't find work. Hmm. Um, well, we're going to see, you know, that that same thing spread to other areas of, of being knowledge workers. Um, getting that entry level position is going to be a lot tougher. Um, if in fact, you know, let's say they're they're approximately correct that half of those entry level AI jobs are gone. Just what that means is, uh, what, whatever your chances of finding a job, an entry-level knowledge worker job in that area, got cut in half. Um, those aren't great odds. Um, and they even believe that um, 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 about, about half of them, once again, again, these executives are saying that their positions will either completely or partially be uh, replaced by AI systems. And there's some, you know, I've seen some, some people working on um, AI agents that can operate as a virtual company. And you could have an agent that acts as the CEO and does certain kind of decisions and, and gives instructions, you know, sets goals for other AI agents to go out and do the work. Um, so this is not a completely unfounded thought on their part mm -hmm. um, that the executives themselves could be at least partially replaced by AI systems. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates humanity. Uh, and so he wants to replace humanity. And, and you've all know Harari, uh, whom I talk about in Spirit of the False Prophet, my latest book. Uh, he comes right out and says that. Yeah, you know, that we just don't need the majority uh, of, of human beings. You know, you, you talked about uh, personal shoppers uh, as a flash from the past. I, I'm still waiting for the personal buyer. I don't want them just to shop for my stuff. I want them to pay for it. You know, let me yeah. Send someone out there to just pay all my bills with their own money. That'd be great. Yeah, that, that would be great. I, I haven't come across that service, but if I do find it, I'll let you know. Yeah, let me know first. Don't tell anybody else, but let me know first because I want to be an early adopter of that technology. There well, you Sharon, go. I know you got more on your list, but uh, I think this is about all my my ailing heart can take. Uh, you know, my achy, breaky heart is about to, to cave in here. But uh, no, really fascinating stuff. Um, any closing thoughts? Just uh, I just want to echo what you said at the beginning. Yeah, this is a time um, 
with you know not only the AI stuff, which I think is pretty minor with with what's happening in the world right now. Um, I believe we're seeing the alignment of things to very directly and, and, and very shortly fulfill some some major prophecies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that no matter what the the the, the threat is um, in the world, focus on the Lord. Um, be in the Word. Be in prayer. Um, be in fellowship with other believers. That is what's needed right now. Amen. Well said. You know, focus on what you can't see, not on what you can. That's what you want to do is keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Remember Paul said in that same passage in Colossians or in the same letter in Colossians that, you know, we should set our mind on things above, chapter 3, not on things on earth, because uh, that's where our citizenship is, as he told the Ephesians. And so, um, walk by faith, folks. That's the goal. If you don't know the Lord, come to faith today. Place your faith in Him. You can do that right where you're sitting. It's not something that requires you to uh, jump through a bunch of hoops or walk an aisle or sign a card or sign a contract. It's just a matter of, in the quietness of your own heart, placing your faith in Jesus Christ, who died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sins. So uh, we'll have Shane back on here again the next week or so. And don't forget, folks, tomorrow <clears throat> I've got Tom Hughes and I'm going to ask him about his take on the latest with Israel. Of course, he's an expert in that area. But we're also going to talk about uh, the uh, the Mark of the Beast and, and and Tom's new book, Marking the Masses, and uh, and just kind of his take on how Revelation 13 is going to, uh, to come about. Uh, don't forget, uh, for our premier members, this Thursday night, 7 o'clock Central, is a premier member-only Zoom Q&A uh, live. We will record it, so premier members who can't make the live meeting will be able to watch it later. And uh, love to have you be a part of that. If you're interested, uh, you can check out what the Premier Membership is all about, a small monthly fee uh, to be a part of that group and, and have access to some of those types of features. Um, but until then, uh, God bless you, everyone. Stay in touch. Let us know how we can help. Notbyworks.org is how you can find us. Have a great start to your week. God bless.